Welcome to the Eye of AI, an AnyLine podcast that dives deep into the world of mobile technology, innovation, and all things artificial intelligence. Join our host, Mark Babin, as he discusses the latest trends with influential tech leaders from around the world. Let's get into this new podcast episode with your host, Mark Babin. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of The Eye of AI. My name is Mark Babin, your host. It's great to have you listening to this episode. It is a big one, one we've been anticipating for a number of months now and it's finally happened. You've tuned in to the right show and the right episode. Today we are talking all about disruptive technology and innovation. From the importance of it to how you can proactively prepare for it and leverage it to rapidly grow your business. Now to help me digest this topic as complex as it is, we are welcoming a very big name to the show. He's considered one of the world's leading futurists on global trends and disruptive innovation, with the New York Times referring to him as one of the top three business gurus in the highest demand as a speaker. Yes, the top three. He has seven published books that have made their way to best-selling lists on New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Amazon, and has appeared on stage over 3,000 different times at keynote presentations around the world. That's a sample of his resume, and we are honored to have him on the show. Please welcome Daniel Burris to this podcast and to this episode on disruptive innovation. I'm going to stop talking. Let's get into this interview Get your notepads ready because you will literally be taking notes throughout this episode. I've got a page and a half. So let's dive into the show. Enjoy it. And I'll catch you on the other side for a quick recap. Daniel Burris, it's an honor to welcome you. Thank you for being on the show. I can't wait to dive into this topic with you. Very much looking forward to what you have to say. So welcome. Well, hey, thank you so much. And uh, hey, let's get into it because this is a unique point in human history. Let's make sure we're taking advantage of it. Absolutely. Completely well said. And that's exactly why I'm over the moon for this conversation with you. With all that's happening in the world, I think we're going to touch on some some hot spots today. So let's dive straight in. I wanted to start today by addressing the importance of disruptive innovation and in technology, especially given the last few years. I think it's safe to say without the adoption of disruptive innovation, daily life today would look significantly different. So as an expert and someone who has spent much of their career encircling this topic, can you touch on why you think disruptive innovation is so important for the evolution of businesses, industries, and even our social behavior? Yeah, well, that's a big question. And there <laughs> actually was probably about 10 questions in there, but I'll, uh, I'll try to unpack that a little bit. First of all, uh, I've, as you know, I've started six companies, but my research company's been around for, holy cow, 39 years wow. now. Wow. So I've been in this space looking and helping companies all over the world and organizations by looking in the future. So I've been living in the future for a long time, <laughs> as well as enjoying the present. And way back when I first started in the early 80s, I came across something that we all know well and have been writing quite a bit, and that is good old Moore's Law. Processing power doubles every 18 months as the price drops in half. And uh, now, instead of it being tied to Moore's Law, which is associated to the chip in the device, it's really the ecosystem in the cloud, which has a lot of exponential to go. Now, the reason I brought that up 
is the pandemic forced people all over the world to change. Remember, humans don't like change and businesses are run by humans. But we were all forced to lock down and change. And what did we do? We went digital. So we had a pandemic-driven acceleration, massive acceleration of over 25 key technologies with AI right in there that have accelerated between eight and 10 years in just a short amount of time. In other words, we're at speeds beyond exponential, which is a big deal. And here's the insight I want to give. When you have beyond exponential changes and disruptions coming driven by technology, you have beyond exponential opportunities, and you need to be taking advantage of those. So in this podcast, which is not very long in relative terms, Mm -hmm. I would like you, the listener and the viewer, to make this a defining moment because we're at a unique point in human history. There's more opportunity than there's ever been on the planet. And we have to solve seemingly impossible problems as well as to do amazing things. So you mentioned disruption. Let's me address that very quickly. Then I'll give you a chance to ask me some more questions. This is perfect. But um, most people see disruption as negative. Why? It happens to you. Now you got to change and people don't like change. Uh, but does Jeff Bezos, for example, uh, does he see disruption as negative as the guy who founded Amazon? And the answer is no, it's all the people he's disrupting. So what I want you to know is with beyond exponential change taking place, you're either going to be the disruptor or the disrupted. There is no middle. You can't coast. Well, you can coast, but you can only coast downhill and there is the bottom. Secondly, you're either going to be more relevant or less relevant. There's no middle. So what I, I'm going to get right off the bat what I'd like everyone everyone to do this uh, viewing and listening to this. I would like you to become positive disruptors, creating the transformations that need to happen to elevate your relevance, to accelerate innovation and accelerate growth, sustainable growth. So disruption is actually an option. You can be the disruptor or the disrupted. And as we talk, I'll help people understand exactly how you can get that choice. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to like, I guess, all of the disruption you've seen in your extensive career, is there a particular one that has really been crucial to where society is today? One that sticks out in your mind? Well, there have been many, 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 as you know, Mm -hmm. and way back when I started the company, I identified 20 core technologies that would shape the future. Now we're talking 1983. Whoa. (laughs) And uh, AI was on there, parallel processing was on there, and genetic engineering and digital and the internet. I mean, believe it or not, we did have the internet back then. Universities were using it. It wasn't the web, but it did exist, believe Mm -hmm. it or not. And I actually was using it back then. (laughs) So- the point is, it's amazing what you can see about the future when innovation, when you know where to look. So uh, along the way, though, I think the one that's had the biggest one probably is uh, the smartphone, well, like the iPhones and the others, because it gave us a multimedia a computer as well as uh, cameras and video and everything else in the palm of our hand with us at all times. And today, a smartphone uh a low-level smartphone, but one with a browser can be made uh, at the same cost as a dumb phone, flip phone. And so people all over the world are getting 
tuned in and plugged in, not to mention what the satellites are doing to give uh, the other billion of people that are not connected to the internet connected. So there's a lot of underneath mm-hmm. underbellies to it, but having a multimedia supercomputer with you at all times. And, you know, you guys have uh, AI as a service. Thankfully, I don't want to have to own AI. I would really have to have a lot of money to do that. The key is not the tool, it's how you use it. So if you can use it, and thanks to cloud and virtualization, we can offer AI as a service, letting any company, any size, an individual tap in and use AI. One other quick thing I want to make about that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been writing about and talking about exponential technology for, like I said, for decades. And uh, uh, so when you're riding that curve, anybody can play that curve. We have have that opportunity right there in front of us. Again, it's not the tool, it's how you use it. You just have to know what tools are available. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it is enhancing what a person can do. And we see that across all industries where workforce is an issue right now. Of course, AI and solutions, like you said, a cheap device in your hand can empower that person to become much more able to accomplish more in their workday, which is a benefit to businesses, of course. Now, I picked on one. Mm-hmm. There, of course, are many transformational things that have happened over the decades. Uh, but that one, I mean, I can remember before uh, we started getting uh, the, the smartphones uh, launched by um, uh, by Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people were on vacation and they weren't looking at their phone. People at restaurants were there, but they weren't glued to their phone. Uh, you know, that's changed a massive behavior change globally. Mm-hmm. One other little thing I'll point out, technology is not good or evil. Uh, it's how we decide to use it. The same tool that can give you cancer can actually cure your cancer. It depends on how we decide to use it. So don't blame technology for anything. Blame how we've decided to use it. And many of us are using technology in a default way, not with intent to create a better present and future for yourselves and others, which is what I'm excited about. Rather than just predicting the future, what I really like doing is helping people get excited to use new tools to shape the future, to make it better to be what I called earlier, a positive disruptor. Excellent. Now let's dive into that exact point. So, uh, and switch the gears a little bit to look at how operators can be more proactive in this sense. So uh, in reading much of your work, I kept coming back to the concept of yours, hard trends. And I love it because for those who aren't aware, uh, it's of course the future certainty of something that will eventually happen. And I love how that's worded. It's brilliant. So to you then, how can businesses or can businesses uncover and better anticipate these hard trends or do they have to wait for the hard trends to uncover themselves? Is there a right place to look in this way or is it simply you have to be patient? Yeah, well, a couple of things there. First of all, there's never been a shortage of trends, Mm -hmm. right? The problem is which ones are going to happen. And by the way, when? And uh, one of the things that I've done is come up with a methodology that's being widely used around the world. And I want now you, if you people that are listening to this haven't started using it, to use this. That is, all trends fit into one of two buckets. They're either a hard trend based on what I call a future fact that will happen. Now, the key here is can't be changed. Mm -hmm. Or it's based on a soft trend 
that is based on an assumption that may or may not happen. And so number one, all trends are either hard based on future facts that will happen or soft. And number two, I want to share with you, it's just a big one. And that is a trend by itself is boring. <laughs> I did say that. I've been studying this stuff for decades. Why is it boring? It's boring until you attach an opportunity to it. The minute you attach an opportunity to a hard or soft trend, it bursts into actionable life. So I want to make trends actionable. And you can't make them actual if you don't know. So here's the advantage of a soft trend. If you don't like it, you can change it. And there's a lot of soft trends out there that you are thinking are future facts, but they're not. They're based on an assumption that that may or may not happen, which has a different level of risk if you're an innovator. Right. Mm -hmm. Because strategy based on certainty has low risk. Strategy based on uncertainty has higher risk. So how do you find certainty in an uncertain world? Now I'm going to pivot to the hard trend side of this. And that is hard trends, again, based on future facts, which allows you to see disruptions before they disrupt. And that allows you to turn disruption and it gives it turns it into a choice for you. Like I said, now you can decide, do I want to sit back and let myself get disrupted? Because this is a future fact that will happen. Or do I want to take advantage of it and become the positive disruptor, creating those disruptions that need to happen? And um, there, it also lets you see problems before they occur. I mean, how many times have we said, well, I knew that would happen. And I would say, well, then why did you let it? So most of the problems, now listen to this, everyone. Most of the problems you'll be facing in the next 12 months, you could actually predict right now and pre-solve or let them happen. If you want to move forward faster in a positive way, you need to stop them from happening. So I'm putting all of this into something that I'm very driven about. And that is to get everyone on the planet, as many people as I can, to not just be reactionary, but to learn how to be anticipatory using these hard trends. You see, agility is, is a reactive strategy. Mm -hmm. Agility is, came from sports. And it came from uh, what you want to do is react as quickly as you can to a problem after it occurs. React as quickly as you can to a disruption after it disrupts. And by the way, I like agility. There's a lot of things you can't predict. You mm -hmm. can get better at agility and you should. But there's two sides to this strategy coin. And the other side is anticipating, using hard trends to anticipate disruptions before they happen, to anticipate problems before they occur so you can pre-solve them. So I would like us to spend a little more time on being anticipatory and looking at what are those opportunities, because again, there's more opportunity right now to create positive disruptions than ever before. As a business culture, is that a hard thing to implement within an organization to become anticipatory? I think a lot of people are just, with the last few years especially, having to just react to everything. They can't catch their tail, but is it a tough change to become truly anticipatory? It is not too tough once they understand that this concepts of hard and soft trends. Uh, here's what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. um, when you have certainty, you have the confidence to make bold moves. You can move forward. You know, if you're talking, if you're trying to make a sale and, the and there's not certainty, what do you say to the person that's trying to sell to you? You say, well, thank you. I need to get a few more opinions and I'll get back to you. But if you learn how to speak in future truths, based on hard trends. 
wow, all of a sudden, let me give you some categories so we can make this a little more real for yeah, everyone. Absolutely. And then because once they understand how they go, they get it, the light bulb comes on, then it's easy for a culture to start working with this. And I've had uh, companies that have used my anticipatory leader learning system for their entire company, big ones, giant ones. So um, three categories of hard trends. It's not that hard. <laughs> okay. Uh, one category is demographics. Now, uh, for example, let's take uh, baby boomers, although there are many generations and they all expect technology to do different things. They want to be served in different ways. They have different mindsets, but we treat them all as one, but they shouldn't. Now, let's take baby boomers. Um there's a lot of people that love to go boating. They love to go fishing. What happens uh, when they get older? It's hard to get in the boat. It's hard to launch the boat. So if we created the easy launch trailer, boat trailer for seniors, would we have a built-in growing market every year? Well, yeah, we actually know the numbers. Um, would we know which countries to export to and which ones not to export to? Well, of course, we know the ones with the aging populations. In other words, we'd have a low risk, risk way of doing a great innovation. Uh, and with low risk of putting it out and having it be successful, assuming we designed it well. Mm -hmm. So, um, so again, you can see opportunities. Let me give you one that doesn't exist right now. Another one. Um, a lot of people, as they get older, all over the world, as they get older in their mid eighties and then nineties, they fall and they break something and it's expensive and painful and sometimes causes death. Why don't we put, and this all exists right now, get a little rubberized sleeve you put over your shoe. It has a little sensor in the front. It is going to my Bluetooth in my hearing aid, or if I don't wear a hearing aid at that point, it just goes to a little thing I put in here. And as I'm getting to a step, it says, uh, step down, step down, or it says step up, or it says Johnny's toy is in the way again. Could that keep a lot of people from falling? And the answer is absolutely, because their vision isn't that good. They're wearing reading glasses, bifocals, so when they look down, they can't see. You could do, that could be very successful. Now, here's the point I want to ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. <laughs> that does not exist right now. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you. You think, no way, we're not going to see that. Would you agree with that? Uh, I think that would be that. That's something we know is going to happen. We know is going to happen. Yeah, it's a hard see, trend. Now, what if you what if you did see? It's based on using technology. We know people are not going to get younger. Mm -hmm. We know that people are going to continue to fall, and with an aging population in many countries and a lot of big ones, including the United States, a lot of places in Europe, mm -hmm. China's got a growing uh, aging population. The one child thing didn't work out that great. So my point is. There's opportunity to, to pre-solve problems before they happen and create something that you know is going to work well. So hard trends. Demographics is one. I said there were three categories. Mm -hmm. Second one is technology uh, because technology lets you do the impossible. And we're doing things today that were impossible just two years ago. Yeah. By the way, we'll be doing things two years from now that are impossible today. And when you start looking at technology, you can start to see what those things are to become the positive disruptor. Uh, we'll come back on tech in a minute because I know that's a focus we like to hit here. Absolutely. But let me hit the third one that will surprise everyone in here, <laughs> and that is government regulation. Okay. And all governments have regulation. For example, uh, in the United States, because I know we're all over the world, um, I was just with an audience of CEOs, a thousand CEOs a couple of days ago. 
And uh, and most of them were from different companies in North America, a lot of them from the United States. And I said, um, all right, there's a, a can you predict the future of cyber? I mean, of uh, a regulation, given all the problems we've got in the United States about that, you know, all of the fighting going on. And I said, well, let me just ask you, raise your hand high if you think we're not going to get any more regulations on cybersecurity. As you might guess, nobody put their hands up. Yep. I said, see, actually, you can't predict all, but you'd be amazed at how much you can predict. You see, here's the point. A big list of things that I'm uncertain about, it doesn't empower me. Mm-hmm. But if I had a big list of things I'm certain about, whoa. If I had a big list of things I can do instead of things I can't do, um, it's things that I can see instead of things that are kind of fogged in, all of a sudden I get what? Clarity. And again, the power of certainty. So. Um, with regulations, there's usually funding around regulations. Look for the money, stop complaining about them, and uh, you'll see some really good things. Uh, aging population, demographics, which has got a lot of problems we could pre-solve or let them play out, and a lot of opportunities. And of course, third, technology, and technology covers a lot. And we're in the beyond exponential time of technology. Oh my God. I mean, you know, let's, let's solve those big problems. Yeah. I think technology, when you say beyond exponential, that really hits hard because it's true. We use exponentials almost, it's gone. That was exponential a couple of years ago when this all started happening. And now we're at a point where it's just gotten faster. It's insane. Right, right. Exactly. Well, you could work remotely way before the pandemic. Educators could use uh, programs like Zoom and others to do things with each other, but they didn't. Doctors could do and we could pre-screen people before they ever got in to see if they needed to come to the doctor or not way before all this happened. Uh, And a lot of uh, banks and credit unions and other types of financial institutions weren't even using the cloud that much until all of a sudden, what happened after the pandemic? We need to get into the cloud. So, uh, so in other words, it's all been accelerated and we can take advantage of that. So my, um, let me give you what I'd like everyone to do so that we fit this in. Yes. Because I don't want to be on a show if I don't give you some actions I want you to take. And I just don't want to miss this. All right. Here's what I'd like you to do. I would like all of you to carve out one hour a week. Now, look, that's doable. If I said two or three, maybe not. One hour a week. And by the way, put it in your calendar as an appointment, because if you don't do that, it won't happen. You'll be too busy putting out fires. But this isn't about crisis management. This is your opportunity hour. And in that hour, instead of looking at, well, the future is completely unpredictable, except for death and taxes, Instead, start asking yourself, what are the things I know? I mean, is the cloud going away? No. Is the cloud getting full? No. We're going to put more in the cloud. Uh, is If we don't like AI, can we just turn it off? Is it a fad? No. And, uh, and by the way, we're at 5G now. Is that it? No. We're going to have 6G followed by 7. I'm working with a company on 6G right now. So in other words, when you start looking at what do we know, what are those hard trends? Wow. And by the way, I'll give everybody something. If you go to burrus.com, B-U-R-R-U-S.com, right on the homepage, scroll down one little small notch, you can get my latest uh, 25 technology hard trends that are shaping every industry. Just download it for free. You got it. There you go. 
So I would say, look that list over and then think about your company and how could we become the positive disruptor? And secondly, look at that list with your customer in mind and ask, what are the disruptions that will disrupt them? And what are the things that we could offer them to help that or to create a new product or service for them since we know these are hard trends coming? Yeah, I think that's how are a brilliant we, idea. doable. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, then pick, remember, tie an opportunity to each one, and then you'll get a list. You'll get a list, but big lists never get done. So pick one and yeah. make it happen. And make the time for it. I think that's brilliant. Like you said, put it in your calendar. I think everyone knows if you don't put it down as an appointment for yourself, like you said, it's not going to get done. So I love that idea. Yeah, and well, it gets you to think. It, absolutely. I mean, I, the key, I think, uh, in the six companies that I've started, five were profitable the first year, four were national leaders in the U.S. in the first year. Number one, when there's when I hear something really good, I'm taking action on it right away. Mm -hmm. I'm moving, I'm starting the ball rolling. I make a phone call to my office and we, we get going on it. So number one is taking action because doors of opportunity open, by the way, they also close. And there's a giant door of opportunity to create positive disruptions right now. Let's do it. And uh, the other thing is uh, uh, using my calendar and blocking off time. So here's another little insight for us. There's all these new things to learn, all mm -hmm. these new things to do, and all of a sudden you get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So here's the counterintuitive strategy I want to give everybody right now. It's not all about the new thing you're grabbing onto. What's really important is what are you letting go of? Because I'd like you to have a life. I'd like you to actually get to know your family a little bit. Uh, and I'd like you to have a little balance in your life and to enjoy this time that we're together on this planet Earth. So if we're going to do that and you keep grabbing onto all the new things, you're going to drop something that you don't want to drop. And it uh, might be a family member or somebody. So let's uh, make sure as the new things come in and how do you determine the things that leave? What are the things that are less relevant than the new, more relevant things coming in? Number one. And then number two, we're transforming all this stuff in our own businesses. Why aren't you transforming how you do what you do? Because we're thinking about everybody else doing what we do in the old way. If you're repeating some action more than two or three times, that should be automated. Why don't you automate that right now? Mm -hmm. You can free yourself. So I want you to free yourself. Yeah, I think it's a really nice way of looking at it. And it's very cultural. I think North America versus Europe, I think some people have easier time with this than others. But just putting the time to get the process started, I love that because I think, like you said, everyone talks about doing things, but until you actually dedicate that time, that's that's gold, absolutely. Something I did want to ask, and you've touched on it a little bit, is with all the companies you've spoken to, and the list is like the top account list targets for most companies, it's incredible. But what is the topic that you see brought up most often versus things that people should let focus less on, where you see maybe too much attention going towards that's just burning unnecessary fires? Yeah, well, you know, um, as you know, I do a lot of, uh, of speaking and consulting as I travel around the world. And mm -hmm. one of the uh, trick questions I always like to ask CEOs, I say it's a trick question mm -hmm. because uh, there's a reason for it. I'll tell you why in a second. But I get this from when I'm speaking to audiences all over the world too, and I'm literally been all over the world. It's amazing. <laughs> Here's the uniform. They've all got these big problems they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. They all have these big problems, but Here's the thing. Whatever problem you got, that's not it. There's another one. See, you're smart. 
You could have solved that. Mm -hmm. If you are having a big problem and you can't solve it, it's because you're you're looking at the wrong problem. It's the trick question I always ask CEOs is what's your biggest problem? I already know whatever it is, that's not it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I start peeling the onion back a little bit to get back to the real one. A simple example to get the point across. My niece called me not long ago. Her name is Hallie. She said, Uncle Dan, I can't save any money. She's got her first job. <laughs> I can't save any money. And she knows it's possible because her older sister, Audrey, can save money like crazy. But Hallie can't save money. So she said, I'm trying to save money. It's just not working. And I said, well, you're working on the wrong problem. You should work at how you spend money. If you work at how you spend money, you'll find yourself saving money by default. See, she was working on the wrong thing. So, and the same is true with CEOs. Uh, a very quick example, a number of years ago, I was talking to the CEO of a major drug company, one of the biggest in the world. And I said, what's your biggest problem? He said, we got to hire about 2000 additional PhD researchers and our stock price is down. I don't have the budget. That's an expensive budget. I don't have the budget for that. It's my biggest problem right now. And so I so um, I started to peel the onion back because I knew that wasn't it. And I said, why do you need those researchers? And he said, we're a drug company. And to create drugs, we have to solve molecular problems. To solve molecular problems, we need researchers. And um, and our drug, our stock price is determined on how many new drugs we got coming out. We don't have a lot. That's why our price is down. We need about 2000 to get going on this. So I don't have the budget. That's my problem. And then I use my principle. I said, let's skip that problem because I do problem skipping all the time. He said, how do you skip that? I said, why don't we put all of your molecular problems on the Internet in a dozen languages and say we pay for solutions? Well, they did that and they got more than 2000 researchers submitting solutions and they purchased the solutions they wanted to purchase. It was so successful. It was written up in the Harvard Business Review. And now there are uh, many companies that are using that. Now, my point of that is not how that idea spread. Mm -hmm. The point is he thought he had a problem that wasn't the problem. By the way, if money is your problem, money will always be your problem because that's not the problem. All right. I'll run another quick one that's kind of fun on um, skipping. I was working with a giant uh, international hotel chain. They had built a bunch of new hotels and uh, everyone was complaining about the slow elevators. <laughs> and by the way, you can't really just turn up the speed of an elevator. It doesn't work. That so way. that's a major problem. <laughs> and they're getting complaints in all the different hotels. And so it's like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We got to tell you. And they, they seem to be unsolvable. And uh, anyway, what did we end up doing? Because we came up with what the real problem was. We put a full length mirror right where all the elevators were on every floor. And what happened? All of the complaints went away because what happened? People were looking at their dress or looking at their tie. They're looking at their suit. Oh, it's here already. Oh, my goodness. When they got in. In other words, they were there with nothing to do. They were bored waiting for the elevator. So it's like really figuring out what is the real problem. Problem skipping can help you move forward faster. Um, so there's many of those types of things that I write about and speak about in my mm-hmm. books. But uh, I think the core we talked about is, uh, you know, the high, whole idea of hard trends. And let, and I know AI is a focus. Let me talk about AI just a little bit mm-hmm. to say that where we're really going with AI is uh, is augmented thinking. We're going to augment our thinking with AI. We're creating 
Think of it this way, is symbiotic relationship with AI. Now, in the biological world, symbiosis is where you have two different creatures that live and work together to exist. And we're going to increasingly work with AI because AI does things that we humans are not that great at. It can read a million books and be able to spew out anything in it and get insights from it. The key is, though, we live in a human world, not just a technology world. And there's a, there's things that humans do that is much better than AI can do. For example, empathy. You know, even, even if a computer says, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, you hear, yeah, right, you know. Uh, so there's uh, communicating, collaborating, innovating, all these things that humans, because this organic uh, carbon-based life form called us, uh, we're wild cards, man. And that's our, <laughs> that's great. One last little element. There's the cognitive domain. Mm -hmm. And at the highest levels of the cognitive domain, you have analysis, problem solving, synthesis that computers and AI can get to to a level. But again, they attack things very different than humans do. We're going to need each other. Why? Because we got some big problems to solve. So augmented thinking. You'll have a little thing in your ear and uh, you can ask questions. You can do whatever you want. And bingo. Thanks to not having to own the AI. Yeah. And it's continuous rapid evolvement. Like you said, like this is the things that you can already see. We know they're going to happen. It's just a matter of when I think. Yeah. And as far as that goes, that's uh, already can be implemented right now. Matter of fact, to give you a short range prediction, most futurists never give short range predictions because you might remember them, <laughs> but uh, I'm giving you one uh, that I want you to remember because in this case, it'll happen. And that is in the next three years. Wow, that's short. In the next three years, we're not going to just change. We're going to truly transform business processes. How you sell, how you market, how you communicate, how you collaborate, how you innovate, how you train, how you educate. Why do I say that? Because the tools to not just change, but to truly transform those processes already exist. Even some of them are almost free. Um, now, here's the hard trend. Here's the soft trend of that. The hard trend is every business process can be and will be transformed. All right. Here's the soft trend. Will you transform the processes in your company? Well, that's soft. I don't know. You might just keep milking it, doing what you've been doing, hanging on with white knuckles, trying to, trying to last and survive. You may be in a protect and defend mode. Uh, by the way, it's going to be hard to protect and defend against this. You would be better off being in an embrace and extend mode. Uh, you might be, um, let's wait and see, but you can wait yourself right out of business today. And you might be too busy doing what you've always done. I mean, why didn't a cab driver think of Uber? Why didn't Marriott think of Airbnb? Well, they were all busy doing what they've always done. You can busy yourself right out of business today. Mm -hmm. That's why that hour a week is such an important strategy. Yep. And again, just not peeling the onion back far enough, focusing on other problems. I think a lot of this, you know, where is tourism gone? Pulling the onion back. Okay. Well, here's where it's gone. People aren't taking cabs anymore. Wrong problem. Like I, I totally understand what you're saying. That's completely, yeah. It makes so much sense to me. That's really, really nice way to put it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and one other little quick thought is uh, uh, one of the things, and again, I'm trying to help people, you mm -hmm. all to be better at being futurists. Again, we're going to spend the rest of our life there. Maybe we should think about it. So um, 
uh, a part of uh, part of that is really understanding again your power to actively shape the future rather than wait and just let it unfold. And the uh, again the type of the level of opportunity that we have right now, you can't get hung up on the news because remember, bad news sells, good news doesn't sell, and if there's no bad news, they give you the anniversary of bad news. So what I want you to do is to blow away some of the fog and to look at the opportunity there is to solve problems. And they can be problems at any place, at any level. Yeah. And a brilliant takeaway for those listening. I think it's just setting that time aside and start thinking about this. Start jo- I love what you said about not like focusing on what you can control and what you know will come and, and rather than everything else that you think is a problem, but keeping that balance. And I think that's going to be, that's a challenge for a lot of people, but that's why you put the time aside to do the, to, to do it, to think about it. So right, I love right. that. Yeah. Like how many hard trends are there? Are there yeah. 20 or 30 or 40? And the answer is there's thousands of them. Mm-hmm. I've been working with companies all over the world for a long time. And I always have them come up with their lists of here's the things we know, here are the future facts and here are the related opportunities. It's amazing how much you can come up with when you get the hang of working with, again, hard trends, soft trends, and what I call becoming anticipatory, an anticipatory leader and becoming an anticipatory organization, because your alternative is to be a fast reactor, an agile one. And I think that's good. Again, I'm not putting down agility. I'm just saying you need a balance. There's the fast reactor side, and then there's the anticipatory side. I think you need to do both. Yeah, you have to have a good balance of both and have it built within the culture of the company in order to truly leverage it in the future. React to things quickly, but anticipate. And I love that anticipatory culture portion. I think that's something that's going to stick with me personally uh, post-interview, and I'm going to extend to those uh, listening as well, and I hope they do also. Daniel, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't explain how much I appreciate your time today. Uh, You've given probably a lot for people to think about. And I think that's perfect. Just people can re-listen to this over and over and take notes. Uh, but it's been great having you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, wishing you absolutely all the best for the rest of the year. I'm sure you have a dozen and a half places to go this month alone, but uh, wish you the best in everywhere you go. And again, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. And that is a wrap on this episode. Fantastic. There's no other word for it. Daniel shared so much of his knowledge, great examples, and really great takeaways that you can do right now to better your business, to better your operations, and to better yourself. As I mentioned, I have a page and a half of notes from this podcast. Uh, Daniel was absolutely a gem to to interview and to speak to. Hopefully you took as much away as I did today. Without anything else, definitely start booking that one hour a week to start defining those hard trends. What do you know is going to happen? And how can that impact your business if you take advantage of it? Are you a disruptor or are you going to be disrupted? I love it. Absolutely fantastic. A big thank you to Daniel for this episode. I wish him all the best for the rest of the year. And for those of you listening, again, thank you for being with us on this show. Hopefully, lots for you to take away. But we will leave it there and end this episode right on cue. So have a fantastic day wherever you may be in the world. And we'll catch you on the very next episode of The Eye of AI. Have a great day, everyone. Talk to you soon.